I'm not singing the metronome song. That's you. This is my metronome <laughs> song. My metronome song. <laughs> I can't keep on point on a fucking 4-4 that you guys can't hear, but welcome <laughs> to the Nightmare Box. <laughs> Presenting Mistakes Were Made with the uh, pretty drunk on Father's Day, Brett Blue. <laughs> And the beautiful, the effervescent, the always stunningly gorgeous, and sometimes articulate, Kristen <laughs> That one's actually accurate. Yeah, yeah. It's a field mind of shit out here. It's a whole situation. Mantra. And we have no show notes, and I've been drinking for mm-hmm. two hours, and right now I am drinking something that is orange. It's homemade wine. Homemade wine tastes like screwdrivers, hits like screwdrivers. I'm going to be plastered by the end of this episode. So <laughs> if you're sitting at home and you're not drinking, uh, you should fix that situation. <laughs> what would you like to talk about today? Um, this stuff isn't um, really relevant to topics we're going to talk about, but just exciting news. I discovered uh, Google podcast was a thing that exists in the world so i completely forgot about that what is that what 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 is google podcast well i guess it's google's response to apple having their own podcast because you know only itunes users could use apple podcast jobs is dead and the free market runs strong (laughs) so um (laughs) google has their own google podcast that took me a hot minute to figure out how to see if we were on there because i don't own any other products besides Apple. <laughs> and you can't use Google Podcasts unless you have an appropriate device. Yeah. So, uh, but we are for our non-Apple um, users on Google Podcasts now. And, and we're getting on iHeartRadio. Yeah. yeah, I submitted to iHeartRadio. Apparently that's You can hear us at random. Can you imagine what that's going to do? People are like, I'm going to put on some Nickelback and then it's just me <laughs> screaming at them drunk. <laughs> Like, so eventually yeah. we'll be on there. Look apparently. at this photograph. 911 was an inside job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our big news. We picked up a couple of more states in our Fuck yeah. We stats. are killing life so, in California. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're dogging it in Cali. Uh, we got a few people in Illinois that are plugging in. So, uh, no. God bless you. Thank you very much. I'm <laughs> sorry that this is, if this is your second episode, it's all, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> it's a bad day. <laughs> oh, no, I'm fucking excited. I'm going to jump into a semi-serious topic. Hopefully it's not going to be sad. But um, as we've mentioned in some of our more recent podcasts, it's been a weird mm, mm-hmm. only. Starting with the goods. What's well, not? A we saved a man's life today. Oh, we did. That's right. Man, that doesn't even feel like that happened today. Today, on the way back from Walmart <laughs> or the diner, whichever one, <laughs> we saved a man's life. <laughs> An old guy on a ninety-degree day, bleeding from his elbows and his knuckles and his knees and the side of his face, <laughs> writhing around in the <laughs> fucking Tennessee sun. That's what he was doing. I'm not making it up. I'm dramatizing it because I'm a writer and that's what I do. There he was, baking like a potato or something more genius before I got all distracted in my own brain. 
writhing around like a like a beetle who'd been kicked on his back and he couldn't it, that old commercial from the 80s help i've fallen and i can't stand up that was this motherfucker this motherfucker he he didn't stand a chance he was gonna die that day yeah and uh talking about synchronicities and we were like is he looking for potholes because uh-huh. the government doesn't know how to spend our taxes or is he <laughs> dying a death in somebody's driveway and Kristen was like he's dying a death in somebody's driveway <laughs> speaking of synchronicities though um i weirdly got up extra early today and brett slept in till ten fifteen. very unusual of us it's usually the other way around and um i didn't want today to happen so i was like, <laughs> like i'm gonna limit it i'm gonna wake up late get drunk early <laughs> <laughs> there were like a thousand different like scenarios running through my head because i knew i was gonna go see my family later today so i was like oh i could go knock out the grocery shopping on my own and let yeah. you sleep in and then i also thought well we could take my car and hit not, the one that's a lot closer yeah hit the one yeah. that's closer but brett conveniently slept in today we hit our usual back road route because we took the jeep and we timed it out perfectly where we found a dying 70 year old man probably a vietnam veteran because when i told him he was a veteran he was like straight up on his own goddamn shoulders (laughs) but we pulled out and like you were like um, no, I ran up to him because you were driving. Yeah, you parked the yeah. Jeep, and I like hopped out and ran. I was like, get out of the Jeep. And you were like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, get the fuck no, out I of the Jeep. I went to open the door. <laughs> Don't, come on. I went to open the door, and then you were like, I'm going to park. And I thought that was you saying, stay in, I'm going to park. And then you were like, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> get the fuck out and help that dude. I thought you meant wait. It's like rolling around on his back like a beetle. But I, I run up to him, like, do the whole, like, assess Beatles the situation. Band. Like, <laughs> I run up to him, like, assess the situation, like, ask him if he needs me to call an ambulance and all that. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, well, can I help you up? <laughs> and as I'm saying that, Brett's walking over and he goes, he looks up at Brett and he goes, maybe you can help me up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll weigh you by, like, like 100 pounds. He didn't even want my help. He's, he's like, no, you're going to drop me and like, I'm going to be more big. He's like, 100%, I'm going to get fucked up. Like, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> he didn't even acknowledge me. He was like, I think I'm going to let him do it. Yeah, we picked him up. We put him in the Jeep. And then you climbed in the back of the Jeep. And that was your first Jeep tailgate ride. What? what was that like? Probably would have been cooler without the top on. The, weather, <laughs> the weatherman lied to us again today. We were supposed to get pissed down on, so I put the top on yesterday. So on top of the humidity, we're just sitting in a soupy canvas mm-hmm. area. And uh, this guy's like had a heat stroke, and we got him back. And I was like, hey, yo, like, is there anybody in the house? And he was like, yeah, my son's in there. And I was like, cool. So Kristen goes, she runs, and she rings the doorbell, and she's like, is your doorbell broken? Because your son's not answering in the door. And he's like, nah, he's a shithead. <laughs> Let's himself in. Pulls his own key out of his pocket. It was like, we just, if we could have got him off his back and set him back over there. I'm going to be so sad if he's dead. Like oh, he, why would like you say that? He's a concussion, and he's just gone now. No. Like he just fell asleep on his he's couch. Fine. I hope so. Like He, he looked was, like he, he was lived in World War II. Up. He wasn't like lesions on his body. His story for his shithead son is, they were the people who wished me. I remember that. I was like, happy Father's Day. And he goes, yeah, hell of a way to start it off. <laughs> not going so hot i thought i'll walk and i can't even do that in the 90 degree weather yeah no you can't 
When the air feels like you're breathing in straight liquid. And it all tastes and smells like urine. Like, Tennessee doesn't make any goddamn sense. It doesn't. It's built on slave people. Like, it's... It's just always, like, the extremes. And they happen four times in a week. Last week, beautiful. Top, clean right off of it. Crisp air. I was waking up the last couple of days to 56-degree mornings. It was... Driving in the Jeep was just a, a, a breath of fresh air. And then today, I'm sweating, sitting inside. It is warm in here today. Yeah. The windows are open. <laughs> I thought for a second there, it tricked me. I walked into the door, and I felt like a blast of air. It was probably just breeze coming through the window. And I was like, oh, the air conditioning's on. And then I closed the door, and I was like, oh, it's still Tennessee. No, no, no it's still Tennessee, and Brett is still holding off against the air conditioner. So it's <laughs> Waging that war against the electric bills. Yeah, no, you have to. It, it, it doesn't make sense, because you turn on the air. And then it climbs up to a hundred and fucking fifteen, and then you turn off the air when it drops down to fifty six, and then you're just closing your windows to keep the water out. Like I mopped <laughs> the floor six hours ago, it's still wet. and it's still wet. That's pretty funny, actually, because <laughs> it usually dries within like an hour or so. Yeah, no, it's it's fucking absurd. The state makes no sense. And uh, it's Bonnaroo weekend, so mm-hmm. I got to pass the traffic for that earlier today. And there were state troopers. Good luck getting home when you leave, because there are state troopers at every exit. Yeah, every do exit. all of your drugs. Don't go home with any other drugs. <laughs> yeah, they're they're waiting for you. So. God damn. On to my topic. Now that we've got our uh, superhero moment out of the way. Oh, we, we, we crushed it. We're just <laughs> blowing over the superhero moment. The superhero no, moment is a synchronicity into the bigger topic, which is like, I don't have a father and yours is going through something of a tough time. And then I'll leave it at that. And we helped a father today whose son and daughter were not there for him. Well, to be fair, I don't think... It's kind of weird that he was out on a walk on his own on Father's Day, but I don't think they specifically knew he was late. No, I'm not blaming his children. I'm just saying the situation, you know, like... He could have died on Father's Day, and here we are. I'm not being melodramatic. It was hot as <laughs> yeah, shit. We were the only something people degrees. who would pass this dude during his roll around. And on you the had sidewalk. to pretty much hold him when you picked him up because he couldn't stand up. Yeah, no, he might have had a stroke. Like, yeah, there's a good point. Like, uh, we should have called an ambulance, but he didn't want one. I asked him twice. He didn't want one. He walked on his own, and you know, he climbed into the jeep and out of the jeep. Walked him into his front door. Yeah, no, we got him where he was gonna die. But oh, that's not. (laughs) Why do you gotta do that? He's fine. He was scraped up. He wasn't like free bleeding on everything. No, no, no. He was just a little banged up, but it'll be okay. <laughs> Hug your grandpa if he's still around. I lost mine at 15. Love you, grandpa. I'll get to you, dad, later. I asked him if he was okay, and he goes, I'm old. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? He's like, I keep trying to stand up. And I was like, well, uh, fucking do it, then, bro. Like, 
it was like he well, was tall too. It was like you found yourself in good company. Kristen works in a hospital, and I used to be a police officer. And he was like, "Where do you work?" And I was like, "Well, I'm you know, Dakota Air Force Base, Japan." But that was a while ago. He was ah, an MP, and I was like, "Ah, this dude's like in the army or the Marine Corps." Like he used to be doesn't respect my position <laughs> but we finally helped his ass so cheers to security forces <laughs> your boy's still out here doing work <laughs> mm. Our good the wine's good. growing on me yeah it's an interesting flavor it's a orange wine homemade it's a basically screwdrivers in a wine glass it is kind of what it tastes like yeah I'm 100% for it. I th- I'm glad it's being bottled, but I am going to be fucking gone. <laughs> Still got to make pizzas. We're making pizza for We dinner. are making pizza. We've never made a responsible pizza. Are we ever going to? What's the point of pizza if it's responsible? Exactly. No. Like no, my that. mom. Okay. Speaking of responsible pizzas, I told her before I left the house that we were going to make pizza. And she was like, all those carbs, you should use cauliflower crust. It was like, uh. If I propose pizza? cauliflower crust to Brett, he will throw me through a window. <laughs> it's like, what is the point of pizza if you're trying to be healthy? I'm sorry. That's not why I'm eating this. <laughs> I do it once every other month. One crust is four inches and it's stuffed with cheese and the rest of it is just a minefield of things that cause cancer and it's the most brilliant thing in the world but as they would say in the black community and ties back to your uh whole point synchronicity yolo (laughs) (laughs) that is not what i thought you were gonna say what did, what did you think I was I don't know. Say, what other fucking like I don't that wasn't YOLO I don't think I've yeah, ever you heard you say that once. I don't know if you've heard but it's the motherfucking motto <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say that word though YOLO um yeah what I was Brought gonna to say you by some great battle rap uh poet who's it by? I don't know oh I, I thought you might be two chains Somebody of that ilk. Somebody who was around during the great Two Chains era. <laughs> Hip-hop music. Good to know. You love. You only live once. I know what it's No, it's Drake. Is it Drake? I don't know. I have no idea. If you are a... If you are... <laughs> if you are a hip-hop enthusiast... <laughs> You're like running around looking for drunk people to give advice to. Is that Drake? Is that Wiz Khalifa? Nobody will know. Neither one of them matter. Here's to Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. It's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> dear mama. He didn't do dear father. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, um. Oh, man. I've kind of lost my train of thought. No, the, the big question. The big, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. The big question. Kristen's big um yeah like uh, if you've listened to any of the more recent podcasts which one of you sons of bitches they can't hear the ding though they don't hear the ding they don't hear the ding no it's it's exactly like the uh it's becky again becky is the ding (laughs) i edited that out of our last podcast though so that's becky you're over here creating dings (laughs) quit creating dings we did a, a talk podcast. Why do you only tell me you love me when I'm doing productive shit? <laughs> we did a, our last talk podcast. Becky 
sent Brett a text and we are running our microphone through the computer so it dinged in our headphones and you guys can't hear that and we had a whole section we had to edit out so this has happened once before you just weren't <laughs> privy to it becky i love you but i, I swear to god text me again <laughs> while i'm trying to go drunkenly work and i'll throttle you and both of my brothers it'll be <laughs> mm. Ed won't mind. He's too busy fixing the boat. Everything's going to be I wonder if they took the boat out for Father's Day. No, they haven't taken the boat out in fucking six years. Like it's been, we were kids the last time they took the boat out. There's no, it's, he's like, the engine's the only problem. And I was like, no, the only problem is it's been dealing with Tennessee since I was 12. So you've got a whole bunch of problems that are going on with the boat and the RV. you got to get your shit together, dude. <laughs> right, Dad? <laughs> Ed's my second Aww. father, so uh, I, I love you, but you don't know how a podcast works. You're still rolling on a flip phone. So Aww. God. That flip phone will probably last longer than my smartphone, though. Damn it. Don't hold off your goals too long. That's what we're eventually getting to. Because <laughs> Working our all, way. We all die one day and you don't <laughs> You can't leave spoil them. it. Okay. Well, obviously, I was, I was trying to transition into the discussion. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's all you. We've got nothing written down. I'm drinking um, wine. I'm fucked up. Like, I don't know. So... <laughs> You're welcome. (laughs) The world is conspiring against me. I finally have big questions, and the world's like, not today, Kristen. Can you grab the bottle? Because I I find myself here in a pitch. (laughs) This is going to be gone before the end of this podcast. Oh, no. It's going to be an issue. Today, we might get arrested. Eat string cheese. Yeah. String cheese and fighting the police and, you know... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? We're done. I've got two Signing hours out. on you. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. <laughs> um, no, so it's been, like I was saying, if you've listened to any of the more recent podcasts, kind of a weird, like, past two months or whatever. Fucking life. <laughs> and um, I went out to see my family today for Father's Day. Brett stayed in and worked on I got a dad. Well, you stayed in and worked on your edits and try to be sensitive. Didn't want to force you to come hang out with my family. Well, I'm um, going to reminisce on my father for the 18th time in a row. <laughs> but yeah, I went out to see my family and um, just kind of had me thinking in general. Uh, Brett's been reading Hunter Thompson books. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that old man today. Well, oh, um, I finished Free Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't I think we've talked about that. I finished Free Kingdom, and then I started Hunter Thompson's um, Kingdom of Fear, which was his like autobiography. It's called uh, Kingdom of Fear, Lonesome, or Loathsome Secrets of a Star-Crossed Child in the Final Days of the American Century. That's a mouthful. Well, they're all a mouthful. <laughs> Thompson had a huge dick, but continue. <laughs> but it, it all kind of like bled into similar concepts I was thinking um and also the the John Stewart uh speech. 9/11. yeah uh, 9-11 speech if you you've seen that like they listened to uh, Dave Smith on a podcast called part of the problem break that down this morning for context but 
Um, but yeah, this whole idea that our time is our most precious commodity that we have to give. So I was kind of thinking about like where we go to these jobs that we do every day and we have these bills that we have to pay every day and we both complain to each other all the time about our sucky days and how like we're not happy having to deal with these situations but you know bills got to be paid and it's it's kind of a never ending fact you know you wake up you show up you use what little free time you have to own your life yeah and at the end of all of this we all die like none of us are going to live forever and you know you have to do something with your time so why are you wasting it doing things that you don't care about so it had me thinking about like when I first kind of realized I enjoyed like creative stuff in general and especially filmmaking and like you started writing at a very young age and kind of like what that felt like like realizing there was this thing that you really enjoyed and when that transitioned from just a thing you liked doing to a thing you wanted to do with your life so do you remember like well like we, we we talked about it briefly on the porch mm-hmm. and i remember a threat of dcs um, in the third grade over a story that i'd written it was about like the superhero who could like beat up the villain but he could only do it by hitting innocent people into the villain like so like he could like hit a car into the bad guy and he could hit an innocent person into the bad guy but he couldn't directly hit the bad guy and I've been thinking a whole shitload more about like um because I I I finished um Free Kingdom um, like my beginnings like as a writer and I think that's it's definitely up there like when I realized that it was scaring people I was still trying to figure out how to piss through the zipper in my <laughs> jeans <laughs> you know I wrote that story for uh, Arroyo the, the red ink story that I, I, I think it's on the website if not we need to put it up um, it dealt with that idea that at a certain point in my life it felt like a bomb I had in my backpack like I'm not smarter than you people there's, there's no fucking way I can beat you at this you know, I'm never going to beat you at math you'll kick my day you know kick my ass every day in history I mean um but when it comes down to writing a paper, good luck. Like, <laughs> this is my skill. Like, I've got you. <laughs> and I can say more things through ruminating on them than I can um, ruminating or reminiscing. <laughs> I mix both those words. Ruminating. That's my, that's my word. Bredisms. Hey, fuck off. We're trying to do a podcast. Why do you guys have to ruin all the fun? I, uh... Yeah bastards um i know we've talked about other artists that inspired us and like other artists that kind of helped us find like turning points but do you remember like when in your life it went from like 
being a hobby or an outlet to like this is what I'm doing yeah. with my life. Uh, as I, I believe we also said earlier, some like losing my dad was the license. Because my dad was the only reason that I ever tried to turn straight in the first place. Like, not straight in a sexual sense, but straight in a job sense, you know? Like, I was trying to impress him by going into the military or taking the security job or working at the fucking Amazon plant or any of them. And he died, and it was like... <laughs> What would he be proud of? Would he be proud of a son who falls straight in the line, like right again? Where it's like, we're just gonna do this. Or would he be acknowledged? Or would he, uh, fuck, I'm drunk. <laughs> would he acknowledge that? Um, you grew up to be your own man? In a way. Like, um, would he acknowledge that I put in my time for the country and then I spent the rest of my fucking life putting it in for myself? So I didn't do what him and grandpa did, which is go in at 17, 18, get out in your late 30s and have no fucking exit plan for the rest of your life. Well, how would they feel at 25 if the thing that said that you had to do that was removed? Do you think... Um, if he hadn't gotten sick that you would have no. well another budget cuts so that was part of the reason you left but um, no I, I, I got kicked on the budget cuts because I was a irresponsible shithead <laughs> but do you know, think if in that in the wrong place at the right time <laughs> do you think if that stuff hadn't happened that you would have stayed in yeah no, if I if I do you think you would have been happy not not I your... think I think I would have been happy like, I think, I think, like, I, I, I would have thought, rather, you know, that I was happy, but there'd always be that part where it was, like, a crossroads, and then I picked stay in, as opposed to there was a crossroads, and I just went on this fucking roller coaster, and that decision has already been made because now I owe a college a bunch of money <laughs> and my only skill is writing, minoring, and writing. <laughs> so, welcome to the rest of your life, Brett Bloom. Good luck making it you, out uh, of Nashville. <laughs> picked the road less traveled. Robert Frost God for you. damn, that's what a non-English major says to an English major. <laughs> you like, pick the road less I like Robert It's like, Frost. I also read Robert Frost in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I can... No, can... this feels like a good place to contrast your quote with a quote from the book that I'm currently reading so I can push it. Again, Hunter S. Thompson. I'm not even going to give you the title. Gave it to you already. He's dead. He doesn't care. This is the intro to The Belly of the Beast. It's from a letter to a guy named Joe Bell. It's October 24th, 1957, Eglin Air Force Base, Fort Walton Beach in Florida. And it occurs on page 42 of the book. Although I don't feel that it's all necessary to tell you how I feel about the principle of individuality, 
I know that I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life expressing it one way or the other, and I think I'll accomplish more by expressing it on the keys of a typewriter and by letting itself. <laughs> I think that I'll accomplish more by expressing it on the keys of a typewriter than by letting it express itself in sudden outbursts of frustrated violence. I don't mean to say that I'm about to state my credo here on this page, but merely affirm, sincerely for the first time in my life, my belief in man as an individual, an independent entity. Certainly not independence in the everyday sense of the word, but pertaining to a freedom and mobility of thought that few people are able or even have the courage to achieve. There's the ding. Becky, quit texting. <laughs> and there's a naked, uh, not a naked picture, of a picture of shirtless. a hunter shirtless throwing They're a football. And fucking. God, stop texting me! <laughs> Leave it alone! <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's charge through. Do you want a cigarette break? Yeah, probably. We'll see you guys in a minute. And we're back. Sorry about that, guys. We it was had to maybe step the off. worst timing. We were in the middle of what was going to be a poetic discussion. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Um, well, we were talking about like that transition from you know having a thing that you care about, moving into you know a thing that you know that you have a need to do. So, like now that we're a little bit older, hopefully a little bit wiser. What does that mean to you now? What does writing mean to me? Or? Uh, like having this thing inside of you that you're like, I know who I am, I know what I want, like I need to do this with my life. Like what does that look like for you at 28? I don't think I have a choice. Like I... I, I Like there's a, the, I don't know, it's a complicated question. Like when your guidance counselor's like, you can make a better plumber. <laughs> You're like, I wouldn't be happy doing that. And I know enough about myself at an early age to know that I, I wouldn't be happy being a plumber, you know, yeah. um, or a palm broker a nurse's aide or a person walking mindlessly through an Amazon. Um, it happened gradually and spontaneously kind of all at the same time. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> it shouldn't have caught me by surprise, but there was a point where it just didn't make sense anymore and I didn't have anything in common with the people who it made sense to like the people that I know right like they they understand that it's a game it's just a thing we do that'll reset tomorrow morning. 
So you go in and you work your eight hours and that makes you feel good because your parents didn't go in and didn't work the eight hours. But in my understanding of it, we've uh, been in the military doing 20 plus years since 1776 and none of us ever looked at that and said, fuck it. <laughs> Except for me and my brother. My brother's destined to be a lawyer. He's younger than I am. He's three years younger than I am. So I'm 28, he's 25. He's the age I was when my father died. And fuck that. I think, um... Or you want to be at 52. Because <laughs> the lights go out in the end, regardless, you know. You either accomplish the thing that you want to do or you don't. But you... And if that's okay, I'm sorry that that's your life. But it's not made sense to me for sure since Dad died. Like It changed me, as we've talked about on here. As a kid, it was a cute fantasy, like the type of fantasy you want to have where you're like, you know, I want to be a cop and I want to chase robbers and I want to be a writer. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to be a marine biologist for a very long time. <laughs> like, I, 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 I really thought that I was going to be a marine biologist when I was a kid. And then I watched a documentary on the Titanic the year that the movie Titanic got released. What was that, 97? 12 and... We were sitting in a hotel and there was HBO in the hotel TV and I saw a woman's breast outside of my own mother's for the first time on a television screen. And I, it was wound into me. And then after it, they shared this documentary. And I was like, I am going to be a marine biologist. Like there I was, like 97. Yeah, so in 97, I was six years old, and I, I remember going, I'm going to be a marine biologist, I'm going down into the middle of the Atlantic, and I'm going to fucking see the Titanic at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. It was all that I cared about. And my mother, um, God bless her, when I was 13 or so, 12, 13, um, bought a projector or rented it from a school and had this painting of the Titanic that she projected up on the wall and she painted the Titanic on my bedroom wall. <laughs> because I'd had a breakdown that by the time I was 50, which is about how long it would take me to gather the skills of becoming a marine biologist, <laughs> The Titanic would no longer be on the Arctic floor. <laughs> so I said I'd be a cop, and then I wasn't that good at that, and now I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first moment? <clears throat> um, there wasn't specifically a moment, I guess, for me, so much as just a gradual shift, um, which is probably 
true for you, true for most people. You didn't wake up and have an aha moment. You gradually that got was there. Instantaneous, spontaneous, and it lulled the entire time. It was there for a while. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to remember the exact moment. Yeah. Like I had uh, like a love for the arts in general at a very young age. Like I used to want to be a writer, ironically, and I used to on our PC. This is how old I am on our little box oh, PC yeah, computer. No, it's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. Our little box-shaped PC computer, I would type my stories. I would type my stories and save them onto floppy disks. Oh, shit. So that was my, my first experience as I'm going to be a writer one day. I used to save Doom games with my dad on floppy disks, and that, that was definitely not writing floppy disk era. <laughs> I was still learning how to write by hand at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, moved around a lot. Like I, for a long time, thought I wanted to be an actress. I'm gonna go be a star <laughs> in Hollywood. Have my name up in lights. With no talent, just going. Tell me what to say. I did theater <laughs> and stuff. I, I studied, quote unquote, the craft. The odds. Um. But, well, no, I thought for a long time that was kind of what I wanted to do. And, like, even into my, like, end of teenage, beginning of, like, 20s. Um, and I got the job that I have now, like, working at the hospital that I work at. And um, when I started there, I was part-time, and that was, like, the major appeal to the job. Like, I could work a very minimal amount of time and managed to keep this job and um like I justified it for years like staying there even though the pay wasn't that great and as a part-time employee I didn't get benefits but I was like but I have freedom you know so I can go that's the most important part yeah and and that was why I stayed um I had the freedom to go if somebody spontaneously was like hey we've got this job do you want to do it because I made my schedule week by week so literally if I had a handful of days notice. I was fine. Um, And then I realized that I constantly felt anxious every time I had a job because, like, I modeled for years and I acted for, like, several years, too. And I made fun of your modeling photos. (laughs) That was, like, one of my first photos I ever did, though. They got better. It's a beautiful picture, but your arm is, like, 12 feet long. They got better. edited that picture, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it got better over time. That was one of my very first uh, photo shoots. But like, I'm I modeled for years and I acted for several years, and I, I realized I would feel this initial excitement when I got hired for a job where I was like, oh, this is great. I get to be a part of this thing. That's really exciting. Like, can't wait to learn more about it. And then the day of like going to a job, I would be filled with like this like unmanageable sense of dread like I didn't want to go do it and why was like I felt weirdly like exposed and like I felt like I had the least amount of creative control but also the most amount of pressure it was like if you fuck this up you're gonna ruin the whole damn thing but you also don't really get a say in any of it so I, I felt like I wasn't actually really involved, but also it fell completely on me. And um, 
like even like runway shows and stuff like that it was like I didn't make these beautiful clothes that I'm wearing like had no hand in any of this I showed up at the time that you told me to show up somebody else did my hair somebody else did my makeup but if I walk out there and trip that's what they're gonna remember I didn't know you did runway shows. yeah I used to do runway shows so like I just felt like this like internal panic all day long like until it was over and then there'd be like a little bit of like okay yeah like that didn't go bad like I'm excited for the next one and like that never went away like I kept thinking it's stage fright eventually it'll just get better and it never went away and I was like maybe I'm not really as happy as I'm trying to tell myself I am so um after that that was whenever I went and did that job in Atlanta for a month which I was still working part-time so I had the amazing opportunity to because they they housed me they fed me I didn't have to pay for anything outside of like my bills um so I I didn't even have to tell work hey I'm taking off for a month it was just like I met my minimum requirement for the month as far as my hours go I'll see you guys when I get back (laughs) so I went and um I was just a production assistant but it was the first time I had ever like worked um on the crew for a set and I like already knew like kind of the ins and outs because I'd been on a bunch of sets before by then, but I didn't know like all the names for like the different types of equipment or what all the equipment did and all that stuff. So like I learned a whole bunch while I was there, and like I never like I'm not a morning person, so I'm not gonna lie and say <laughs> a six a a six a.m. call time was my favorite thing in the world. I was like, fuck you guys, why am I up this early? But I never felt unhappy at my job, even when my job was like, hey. We realized today we needed some jewelry for this one actress and we forgot to do it. Can we give you the company credit card and you go buy the jewelry? I was just like, sure, whatever. I'll go do that, you know? So, like, even whenever it was, like, the minor stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm a part of it. Like, I'm making this thing and I'm a part of, like, what everybody is going to see. And it felt really cool. So, I think I, I sat on it for a while. I don't think I went straight back to school. I think another good year or so passed, but I, I started doing crew work more and kind of slowly died off doing modeling and doing acting. And I had um, friends that were photographers that would constantly hit me up and be like, hey, like we haven't shot together in a while. Do you want to do a shoot? And I'm just like, oh, I'm so, so busy. You know, I do that thing. And it was like, really, I just don't want to. Like, eventually, finally, I was just like, look, I'm retired. Like, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. 23, and I get it. <laughs> like, they'd be like, when are you going to come out of retirement? I'm like, it just it doesn't make me happy. Like, I don't want to do it. So, um, I think when I finally, it took a while to get there, decided to go back to school, I realized, like, I'm just kind of, like, piddling around, catching local jobs where I can, and doing PA work, which... Sometimes is very hands-on. Sometimes is you you run to the mall and buy the jewelry that they forgot to buy. So, like, sometimes it's kind of stupid, and sometimes you're actually really more involved. And, like, I, I realized if I didn't take myself seriously, nobody else was going to. So... Well, you were doing music videos for a while, right? Uh, I did, like, two of them before I went back to college. I didn't do very many. Um, but I did a direct one, and then I produced the other, so I was pretty heavily involved in those. But... I, I wanted to be the person who, like, helped, well, I did shoot part of that one that I directed, but, like, literally, like, held the camera and, like, made it and did it all myself, and I knew I didn't know, like, enough to do it well, so, like, when I went back to college, I guess that was, like, my turning point, like, this is going to be my career, and this is what I am now, and I think, like, after that, like, I used to have, uh, 
a modeling page where you could go see my modeling photos and I changed it like over to like my film stuff and I started calling myself a filmmaker and stuff instead of oh I'm a model and I think uh when we were very early into our relationship we had that conversation I was like do you think I should take those photos down I don't think people are going to take me seriously if I have those photos up so it was like this like transition into like I want this to be my career and I want to be taken seriously when I went to college. Well, the interesting thing about Instagram writers um, is the women will pose half naked to get you to buy their book. Yeah. And a lot so of it time, is like in 2019, like an interesting conversation to have, you know. Do you, no offense, um, sleaze it out for the likes to draw the audience mm -hmm. or do you do it just off the basis of your work and that is really a question for female artists in 2019 mm -hmm. I could take my shirt off all day it's not going to impress anybody got I like a star when you take across my off. belly I got fucking a love handle that is <laughs> on the one side of my corpse that's not true um, I'm covered in scars. It's not a pretty thing when I take I my like shirt it when off. You take your shirt but you could wear a bikini and say, Here I am, drinking margaritas, go read my new story and it's like is the story the point? Or <laughs> And that was part of the just getting people to jerk off and And that was part of the conversation we had about that, which is why I eventually like, there's, like, one or two old modeling photos up, but I made a point to make sure none of them were, like, overly sexual. And, like, I occasionally post photos of myself on Instagram. No, and that's, that's more than okay. I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to think that I... No, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the point behind that was, though, like, I feel like if I gain followers or gain attention or whatever, I don't want them... To be interested in me because I have a pair of tits, you know, like I, I, I want. I mean, they're a fantastic <laughs> pair of tits, and they right now say pew pew vroosh beep bop vroom. Wearing a Star Wars shirt. Yeah, no, it's a bad movie, but good tits. <laughs> but like, I, I wanted <clears throat> people to follow my stuff because they cared about my opinion and my work and what I was doing, and I have ironically realized when I went to college. Um, my life in general changed like a lot of circumstances in my life changed and I needed more money than I was making so I switched over to being full-time and now I have all the benefits and I got the pay raise and I work the overtime and it helped to get me through college for but sure. But we somehow feel jobless. Well it's not even so much that for me like I feel like I went from having this part-time job that I don't super enjoy that I justified for a long time because it gave me time mm. and then it switched to full time to pay the bills and then now here we have these degrees and I'm kind of like reconciling that concept of I'm still working overtime still and it's working an hourly job. taking away the time that I want to be working on other stuff and like I, I wanted to take myself more seriously and I have I've learned a lot and I'm a lot better at stuff I used to not even know kind of how to do and granted big changes are coming in the future so these situations aren't permanent but I mean can we like 
give away the possible. I'd rather hold that in for right okay. now. The big changes are coming. Okay. <laughs> so can we throw out a teaser? Can I give off like a, like a an end thing right now? I don't know. What are you going to say? Am I going to have to cut it? Location-wise? I'd prefer not to. That'll work. (laughs) The point is, these jobs are temporary, and time, again, is your most valuable commodity. So if you're still wasting it doing something you hate, maybe you should make a change. Maybe you shouldn't stay where you are currently and move mentally to a healthier location. Where there are more mountains and less skylights. But, okay. Um, <laughs> Brett wrote something recently. Yeah, we have a, a last-ditch effort to walk you guys out on. So, uh, Kristen's going to give you the plugs. That way, if you don't want to stick around, I won't have to read this to a, 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 an empty audience. And, <laughs> okay. um, so... Uh, you can email us, which we would love to hear from you, at nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Yeah, send us questions, comments, things you want to talk to us about. We'll you even take make... your hate mail at this point. Yeah, at this point, just send an email. <laughs> uh, Go, you drunkie. Stop. <laughs> you send can... a telegram. <laughs> I'm not giving you my address to do that. Just send it to, I don't know. Buy a, a sky message over Murfreesboro, Ossian. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nightmarebox Productions. Tweet us at Twitter at Tweet Nightmarebox. Twitter. The yeah. better butter. <laughs> at Nightmarebox Pro. You can hit us up like our little samples of the podcast that we post on Instagram. And that's at Nightmarebox Productions. And you can buy Brett's book. And read Brett's stories and all kinds of super cool things at thenightmarebox.blog. And this is the story that I'm going to hope to have out by the time that this airs. But trust me, I am knocking my dick off for $150 a month trying to chase my career. So here is the rough draft. Rough draft. Segment. This is exclusive to you guys. Nobody else is going to get the rough. Exactly. Like, it would be really cool if we got to the point where, you know, whatever. I work in a pawn shop, you know, so we write 30-day tickets, and I'm still trying to figure out how to tackle that without being too expository. So here's the rough draft, and you guys have the same information that Kristen has going into it. You've got 30 days. He hands the addict $15. The addict, his hands are cracked leather. His arms are bleeding pinpoints, prison tattoos. He swallows a crusty black scab and it crushes as he nods and he takes the cash as he picks up the bag. The edges are frayed, stained, and I'm slapping an inventory sticker on another broken television set, a jump pack for car batteries, a 
cracked ceramic doll. The register dings for a pregnant mother of three, and her hair smells of cigarettes. Her eyes are shell-shocked, hollow trenches, every customer, every person, a different kind of war. Most of these people never come back, though I can only guess their reasons. Sometimes they really do get their lines together. Sometimes they show up in the local news face down in a pool of bloody vomit, their hair matted in the cheap shag carpet of a roadside motel. Or they disappear beneath a bridge, swaying with the moon and screaming into the wind and... Some go into recovery. Others spiral into madness. Everyone gets 30 days. Some play this game for decades. And when I was a baby, my mother worked at a pub in her hometown, a stretching blanket rolling hill on air strip. She'd part my stroller beneath the bar as she poured beers, wiped tables, dumped ashtrays. The way she tells it, an old Irishman would bring me silver coins. In my mind, he's haggard and beaten, but smiling, negotiating his days with purchase luck, ever hopeful for the turning of the tide. The way my mother tells it, I wouldn't be surprised to see him even today hunched over a bar stool for support, spilling silver on the floor in humble desperation. Back at the pawn shop, we sell silver twice as often as gold. Oily tarnished and hammered faces stretched beneath the showcase light contrasting the brilliance of ounce coins fresh from the mint. Spoons with floral designs, a dented teapot, the glasses lined with fingerprints smudged with the noses of excited children. This case offers history, hope, luck. From here I try to sell good fortune by calling it an investment. I pass off superstition as a safeguard for the future. I emphasize the phrase precious metal. I explain how the value changes with time. And they hear market fluctuation. They eye the bars. Those tombs each marked .999 are where the big money is. And already, they miss the point. The end. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that.
Signing off. <laughs> we gotta go make pizza. We gotta go make pizza. And be drunk bums. I am a drunk bum. That's really loud when you do that, you know, it like know, blows out the audio. Fuck these people. <laughs> I'm choking. Alright, I love you. I love you. And I love you. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of days. We're gonna go make pizza and watch a movie and uh, I'm sure it'll be awesome. Have a good week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I love you guys. I'm see you.